we were dealing last night that we have passed from death into life in John, John 5, verse, <clears throat> verse 24. And, and we didn't get a lot further than just that because I remember that I stayed on that verse, one verse, verse 24, for well over two weeks. And I'd come in, and I'm at the research center every single day that I'm, that I'm in town, that I'm at home. And uh, I'd just sit down there and go through it. And finally, uh, you know, I, I said, okay, in Christ, that, and it's all, if I'm in you and you're in me, if my word abides in you, and all of that that the Lord said, you are passed from death unto life. And, uh, and, and then I began to look at the word past, and I said that last night as well. And it really takes us to the Passover. It really takes us to the Passover. Uh, and there's no immediate, immediate link to that. It's not something that you recognize, but as you begin to look at that word, your past, uh, and and the understanding of it, the meaning that it actually pro projects, is that is that uh, <clears throat> is that it. Let me see if I can get this. It it's. It actually means you are not passed from death and then just let go. It's not the it's a word that links pass from death unto life. Uh, it's necessary to both. If you if you had not come unto life, then you are not passed from death. It's like it's like as I was saying saying last night, it's like with with, with Israel. Uh, except they be out of Egypt uh, uh, until they came to be in Canaan. When they all crossed in, into Canaan, what did they do? You, you think about this now. Because it's, it's it, it, all of it. <clears throat> I have trouble teaching or preaching anymore because just... I'm just thrilled in a view of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it gathers so much into itself, I jump from one thing to another. But what did they do? They, they got to the Jordan, and they wouldn't cross. Then they come back, and they did cross. Both times it was on, both times it was on Passover. Both times. And... Uh, <clears throat> But also, after they got over, they all, they were circumcised. Every one of them had to be circumcised because during that 40 years, no one was circumcised. Everybody above 20 from that 40 years on uh, were, or, excuse me, everybody from 20 down. Uh, and, of course, then that meant that some of them are 60 now. Uh, but they weren't, the ones that came out of Egypt were circumcised, but the ones that were in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, and grew up uh, were not were not circumcised. They're the ones that didn't die. So now they had to be circumcised. <clears throat> and what what was that? Why? What happened there? The Lord uh, had them to be circumcised, and uh, at Gilgal, uh, Gilgal means rolling away or rolling off, rolling off, rolling away. And the Lord said, because this day have I rolled off or rolled away the, uh, the uh, what, did, what was it that the Lord called it? Reproach. Reproach. Mm -hmm. The reproach of Egypt. <clears throat> now the point being, God saw them in his plan, in his purpose. He saw them in Canaan. You know, he saw them in Canaan, period. He saw them in Canaan when he was talking to Abraham. He had always, that was always his purpose. <laughs> and But as they began to come, just because they crossed the Red Sea... And because they were out of Egypt, uh, the, <clears throat> the thing that the Lord said there uh, in the 15th chapter that we read, uh, Exodus 15 and 17, was yet setting in front of them, thou shalt bring them in. Right now, they were certainly out, but in God's, in God's purpose for them, they weren't actually out of Egypt until they were in Canaan and circumcised because the circumcision was for removing the reproach of Egypt. Now they were there. And uh, uh, that's what this, back to, to, to uh, John 5, 24 that's what that word <clears throat> refers to. Now, not necessarily that incident, but that's what that word, how it is, that's what it means. Uh, it means, uh, for instance, again, again, in Colossians, let me see, is it in Colossians? In Colossians, I think it is. In Colossians uh, chapter 1, uh, for he hath, he hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Instead of just quoting those things, I can look at them. You can see, is that where that is? I think it is. Uh, I think it'd be in Colossians. I don't think it's in Ephesians. Colossians, I believe. Colossians uh, 2, uh, Colossians 2.13 probably or somewhere right along there. Uh, uh, actually, it's 1, Colossians 1, 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Now, if you'll look at, if you'll look at an, an earlier translation, and I mean back to, back to some of the scrolls, back to the translation of this verse and, and the manuscripts, then it will, <clears throat> it, it, you can see immediately the way, they, way it's actually translated. Uh, 
that it's not translated as that he has done two things, but that he has done one thing by the doing of another thing. So that it is one action. And the action here is that, and it's the same that we're talking about. It is, he hath delivered us from the power of darkness through translation into the kingdom of his dear son. So you've got, that's the thought. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. How? Why? You know, with Egypt, he has taken us, or with Israel, he has delivered us from Egypt. Why? What was his purpose? Just, I don't know, just to get us out of Egypt and turn us loose so we won't be bound up anymore and we'll be free and Pharaoh's, you know, not, can't find us. And on. No, no, his whole purpose was to fulfill the promise to Abraham. And the promise to Abraham is a type and shadow of the new covenant of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, because it's the covenant of faith. And so, and that covenant of faith, what we call the new covenant in Christ, is the covenant that the Father had with the Son, Christ Himself, before the foundation of the world. Uh, and, and, and therein is our salvation. So, th there's just an example uh, of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you have passed from death unto life, except except we, and, and that life is, is, is Christ. So it, that's what it means. It doesn't mean that salvation is just now, now, you're, now you won't die. Uh, salvation is, uh, you're, you know, now you're going to live a long time. Or all the things we look at, you know, salvation is getting out of this. No, no, salvation is being here. As, a, as the result of that is that we are no longer here. But just to not be here, see, and, and not be found there in Christ, my point is, hon, you, you guys have been around the church and in the church and in the church business most every for as long as I have. <clears throat> and you know, you have to know, you understand, each, each of you do, I'm not, this is no argument among us, that, that much of the view concerning our salvation, which even for many defines our salvation, is focused over here, that you are passed from death. Uh, you are no longer in Egypt. I mean, I've heard that preached, and now God has delivered you. And then they go on and say, and one day he'll bring you to the heavenly Canaan. But you see, the type and shadow doesn't agree with that, because God's point was to bring them out through actually bringing them in. He had no, he had no plan. He had no plan for the wilderness, there was no promises connected to if you wander around in the wilderness long enough, by then here's this will happen and that'll happen. No, they were there in disobedience. 
There, there was no, there was nothing in God's purpose that they wander around in the wilderness until they die. That was strictly because they denied the Passover. They, they accepted the Passover in getting them out, but they didn't realize that the Passover, on which is the door, Christ and Him crucified, the door. And they, didn't, they, they did not realize that the same door that got them out was the exact same door by which they entered in. That's the whole purpose there. And that's the whole purpose of our salvation. So all of this begins to come together. And as I said, during, that, during the time that I was just staying on verse 24, every place I would look, I'd think, my Lord, it all comes right here. When the Lord said this, He really said something. And, 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 and so many just don't get a hold of it. I mean, and then I wrote up here on mine, you are come, because we're going to look, you are come to Mount Zion. Well, yeah, you are come to life. You're a come to Christ. Yeah, you're a come to life. You are come to, uh, you know, raised up together and seated together in heavenly places in Christ. Yeah, you have come to life. I mean, life is the substance of, of is the very substance of our salvation. So you can't, you can't come from death to escape. You know, you, you can't do that. You can't come to death from death. It doesn't make sense. From death to freedom, from death to this, from death to forgiveness, from death to... The only answer to death is life. That's it. I wrote in one of these pages here to myself, God's answer to death is not forgiveness, it's life. Not just forgiving the dead. His answer is life. But that life is not me living again. And that's what brings us to the cross. And that's what, I, that's what we want to talk about because all of this comes to the cross. It comes to the cross. And, uh, and when you bring life, when life comes out from the cross, when life comes out from the cross, proceeds from the cross, by what means does life proceed from the cross. Again, that's in the covenant, that's in the feasts of Israel, that's in Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. All, all have to do. What is it? What am I talking about? I'm talking about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. How does life proceed out from the cross in resurrection? Who, who alone, who only, has ever said, could ever say, I am the resurrection and the life. 
sweet darling, he is not merely a resurrected one. You and I, on the other hand, are. We, we participate, we are resurrected ones. Why? Because the resurrection, who the, the one resurrection, lives in us. Amen. He lives in us. Consequently, we are partakers of the resurrection, have raised us up, have seated us in Christ Jesus. But we're partakers. Okay, so we're partakers, but partakers of what? Partakers of who He is. Because there's nothing else for you and I to become a partaker of and call it salvation. No life comes out from that cross. There at the cross, all die. We've quoted that. You guys don't, I don't have to quote that to you guys, but in... You know, in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us that when one died for all, all uh, died with him. Uh, and, and you know that if you've got a, a version of the King James and then a reversion and... and there, it'll probably say all, all were made to be dead, all became dead, because that's, that's what happened. He gathered into himself all flesh. It's the same thing he says in John 12, uh, verse 30, I believe it is there, right at, right at that almost. And he says, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And the word unto there in the Greek can be can also be into. Uh, because that's what he did. That's what he did when he was when he was lifted up. And uh, he drew all mankind, the whole Adamic creation, into himself. And he took it to its death, which we'll talk about a little. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, But if they're all died with him, and he died, and he did, then who was raised up? Just him. Then, how do we live? I mean, how then do we live? Same way as no man cometh to the Father but by me. <laughs> no man liveth but by me. So see, salvation, salvation is not, is not just me having a better soul life. It's not me living again because, see, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you know, he was going down that road. Well, but he had a question about it. He said, how can I get back into my mother's womb and, 
you know, be born all over again. I mean, but he was thinking about another Nicodemus. He was thinking about Nicodemus living again in some way or matter. And he thought that's what new birth was. And the Lord said, no, it hasn't got anything to do uh, with you living again. It, it, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then Peter picked up on that and said, we being born again, not this time, not of corruptible seed. It has nothing to do, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Our new birth is Christ. It's Christ because new there doesn't have anything to do with timing. I got an old one and now I've got a new one. Uh, no, new as to the substance of it. Uh, the first is old as to the substance of it, flesh, uh, in, uh, flesh, corruptible, uh, mortal. Uh, the new is incorruptible and immoral, immobile, uh, <laughs> uh, not moral, uh, not mortality. I'll get that word right in a minute. Uh, not mortal, but immortal. That's Christ. That's Christ. See, that, <clears throat> there's the promise to Abraham concerning the one seed. Paul says, unto Abraham and his seed were the promises made, not seeds as of many, but as of one, thy seed, which is Christ. And that's the seed. And, 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 and what this all is is spirit. And truth, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Well, hon, you, if we have come from death unto life. Now, death is, is, is what God said in the day that you eat that, in the day that you do, you will die. And he used the term, thou shalt surely die. Hebrews, the ninth chapter Verse 27, I believe it is. It's right there. Uh, talking about once in the end of the world, Christ died. As it is appointed unto man once to die, so Christ died. And when he died, then all died with him. See, the promise even that God made to Adam, the judgment that he passed down to Adam, was fulfilled in Christ. Christ had to bear that judgment in his own body. He had, he did it. So it was done, it was done completely. It was done perfectly. He didn't, you know, get sick and then get better. He didn't get wounded and then healed. No, no. When he died, all died with him. He, he fulfilled God's judgment. He said, unto me hath all judgment been given. The uh, Father hath delivered that into my hands. And at the cross, he brought that in, in again. Uh, in John 12 that I mentioned a while ago, uh, he said, uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. What are you talking about? He was talking about the cross. Die, if I be lifted up, I'm going to draw 
the whole creation of mankind into my death. Now that's, that's what he said. That's what he did. And this is what Paul says before it's over there in 2 Corinthians 5. And what is Paul talking about in 2 Corinthians 5? And I'm not really jumping around with you, but you guys are scripture searchers. And, and, and I'm thinking, I'm not here trying to preach a sermon to anybody. Uh, in <clears throat> uh, what Paul is talking about shouldn't have stopped and tried to explain that because when I did I lost that little thought that come flying through at that time yeah well I was just pulling some verses together uh, now is the judgment of this world and then Paul is looking at it in 2nd Corinthians the 5th chapter and he is saying the love of Christ constraineth us, and therefore we judge. Well, it was a true judgment, and the judgment was necessary. What was he talking about? I'm back on track now. What was he talking about in 2 Corinthians 5? He was talking about new creation in Christ. But see, we jump down there. We, we all do. I do it too. Uh, we'll jump down there, and we'll read that. Any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, you know. Old things are passed away. And I've heard that preached so many times with this reference to it. I've read it that somebody, uh, all of my old sins and all of my old deeds. No, hon, old things, the whole first order, mankind, Israel after the flesh, the law. Old things, things that are built. Uh, the first came to take away the first that he might establish the second. Old things are past. Behold, and, and, and you're in the King James, it is behold, all things are made new, which is not a bad statement, but the actual, the original verse. And probably, like I say, if you've got a, you know, a new King James or just any kind of other uh, than, than King James, it, it will say, Behold, the new is come. And I love that. I love that. Because, you see, it is with the coming of the new that old things are done away. All things are, you know... A new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, taken away, done away. Behold, the new is come. And that's Christ. He's, he's the new. He's the new man. The old man, if you want to say that in the scripture, because that's gathered into uh, old things are passed away. The old man the old tabernacle, uh, the old covenant, 
the old creation. Everything that is not Christ. Everything that doesn't come forth in Him cannot be found in a new creation which is in Him. If any man be where? In Christ. So that's where he's going and where does he start? And I'm not going to start in verse 1 with you because that's another study altogether. Uh, that if, if the house of this present, you know, uh, this temporal house, this temporary house, if it, if it, uh, if it uh, ceases to exist, or if that, then we have a house. And, and, it, and it says, not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens, which we've already, which Paul has used it time and time again as being in Christ. In Christ. And uh, and, he, and it's not that we're, we're, you know, one day we will have. We have. We have. And it's a reality of our union with Christ. And that leads him down to verse 17. New creation in Christ. But before you get there, you have this verse 14. And, and it's the judgment of the cross. And Paul says, we thus judge. That if one died for all, then all were made to be dead. Then all died. Whichever one of those versions, it means that it means what Jesus said, I'll draw all men into myself. Why did he do that? Why did all creation, why did that whole creation, why did why did all of Adam have to die? Why did I have to die? Why was I drawn into that? That actually, yes, actually was made manifest about 2,000 years ago, but it was purposed in the heart of God before there was a world. There was a covenant with His Son. And, 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 and before, there, before there was a world, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, look at Ephesians chapter 1, that we were chosen of God in Christ Jesus. And the next verse he goes down and says, For we are were accepted in the Beloved. God from the beginning knew what He was going to do. And exactly how He was going to do it and why. I mean, from the beginning He knew that. He knew what man was capable of in the way He was going to, you know, have man. And, and he knew the redemption of man, and he knew the purpose for man, which was the increase of his own son. And so there, there we have it. And, but what so many don't see is that the whole plan and thought of God concerning our salvation and concerning having in us what He created us for, what He purposed us for. The whole 
all of that gathered up and is accomplished in the cross. Honey, nothing of our salvation gets past the cross. There's not something that is yet going to have to be dealt with of God. No, sir. He dealt with it in His Son. And that's, again, what many folks, honey, Christian believers, precious people, I, I talk to them all the time. And salvation focusing around us, and even with the cross, and even with the death. You know, we'll come to that point. He died so we wouldn't have to. No, darling, he died so that we would be dead with him. And I was asking the question, then why? Why did I have to die? So that I might have life. That's why. That is why. Why did he go to the cross? Why did he have to die? Yeah, he brought all of us into himself. He certainly did. But why did it have to be that death of the cross? That he may come forth as the firstborn of many brethren. That's why. That's why. That he may be raised up out from among the dead by the glory of the Father and fulfill what he said to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. But here at the cross, it was some, it was here at the cross, see, hon, here an amazing thing happened. And I'm going to have to jump to that because that's where I've, I've, I've got to look at these notes. I'm, I'm planning on reading back here again. In these notes right here, you've heard this. You guys that have these CDs have at least heard it. But I've gone over it a hundred times since then, since September and August, August, September, and October. We must begin with the cross. All right, now that's what we're talking about here. And my statement here is, do we realize that it was life himself who faced the cross? Well, I didn't. I honestly didn't. You somehow you want to look at Christ being life when he comes forth in the resurrection. You, you know, sometimes you, you want to look at life as being, you know, the finished work. Hun. 
he was never anything but life. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Please God in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, on and on and on. The point is that Christ was never non-existent. The Son was never non-existent. The Word of God was never non-existent. Many people preach that where they, they say He was the only begotten of the Father. But honey, that's referring to the resurrection. Because He's the only begotten out from among the dead. That has nothing to do with Christ coming into existence at some time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. Uh, <laughs> you know, and we have to understand that. This is so great. I mean, it, this is really, really good, darling. And it, it, it's something that just... I hadn't got over it yet. I don't guess I ever will get over it. He, John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. Word was God. Same as in the beginning with God. And then he says, he's trying to say something there. And he does say a lot there. And then he says, this very one became flesh and dwelt among us. See, he didn't come into existence when he was born of a woman. Hebrews 5 verse 10. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. He, he didn't come into existence with that body. A body thou hast prepared me. Why? Why? Because in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hadest no pleasure. This is Hebrews 10, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written to me. It's always been written of me. The whole book is about me. In the volume of the book it is written of me. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And then on down, I'm, I'm reading Hebrews 10 from verse 5 on because it's all in these printouts here. I come to do thy will, O God. What is that will? What is it? Because you'll hear it preached a dozen different ways. I come to do thy will, O God. Now, what is it? He taketh away the first. That's why He went to the cross. 
He taketh away the first. How did he do that? A body thou hast prepared for me. A body hast thou prepared, but a body hast thou prepared me. To do thy will, O God. Verse 7, I come, the volume of the book it is written, to do thy will, O God. And then he looks back at the whole first order of all the sacrifice, offerings, etc. offered by the law. Neither did you have any pleasure in them, in verse 8, which are offered by the law. In verse 9, then said he, and it repeats, the writer here repeats it again, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Verse 10, By the which will, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once and for all. But the whole point of that was that he would, something would be taken away. Something would be brought to its end. And it's the whole first order of things. So we don't, we don't in the natural mind, the natural doesn't, and in Christian teaching, we don't get a hold of that. We have reduced it, and I'm, I say this again and again, but we have reduced it, hon, to forgiveness of my sins. And oh, how self-centered that becomes. He died to forgive me my sins. Now, I explained last night that the forgiveness of sins is a removal of the cause, and we are absolutely forgiven because we are absolutely dead, and He is absolutely our life. And that is true. But the point is we, we get it in all over the church world. We, we get it down to just that little thing. When he came, he came to the cross to remove the whole first order. I mean, to remove the whole Adamic creation. Why? Because all of this is pointing to a new creation in life, all of this is pointing to uh, to being in Christ, and a new creation in Christ. None of this. What what was the law? The law was the administration of sin and death. Adam was under the curse and promise of death from the garden on. When one sinned, all were made to be sinned. Death passed upon one, death passed upon all. That whole thing is death. It's death. But in order for it to ever have life, Christ has to take it all into Himself and bring all of that to an end at the cross in His death. You all know these verses. Philippians 
where it says that in, in Philippians uh, 2, verse 5, uh, where he says, uh, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not a thing, thought it not, King James says, who thought it not robbery, which means something to be grasped. That word means to take, you know, and hold on to. But thought it not, thought it not to be held on to, to be equal with God, but basically became man. Took upon himself no reputation, found in the fashion as a man. He became obedient unto death. Right here. Obedient unto death. Not just, not merely, hon. On the cross, you see uh, verbalization of it through reading. You see a man, head falls on his shoulder, and his body ceases to function. You see a man die much like the two on either side of him. They died also. But they didn't die his death. And that's what we miss in preaching in the, in the church world. We miss it. But there now in Philippians 2, verse 5, it goes on and says, he became obedient unto death, found in the fashion as a man, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, see, the death of the cross, which only Christ died, is more than just flesh not living anymore, you know, I mean, more than, than just uh, your heart quit beating. It's more than, 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 than the death of, of, of humanity. Uh, it's, it's not just became obedient unto death, but you see, he wasn't obedient unto the death by some disease. He wasn't obedient unto death by old age. He wasn't obedient unto death in any other way that a man can die. No, his was the death of the cross where man himself was brought to death. Not just dying but brought to death. Not only that, the law was brought to its end. Everything was gathered up. And that's why in Hebrews, and many, many don't even look at this or never have read it, it seems like, uh, but a body hast thou prepared for me. See, they get so taken up with the little baby in, in the manger, and, 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 and okay, fine, that's all well and good. But that's a body prepared for death, that little baby. That's what that little thing, that little body, and he, so he does have to grow, not because he's becoming something, but the body that was prepared for him of God, that body wasn't of the seed of, of Joseph. No, it's prepared to God. 
and yet it was flesh and blood, Amen. that he might bring, and, and, and the scriptures say it again and again, the scriptures will say, uh, gathered us into his body, the body of his flesh, the body of his death. Yeah, because there he represented everyone who had ever ever had been born of a woman and ever would be born of a woman. He gathered it all. And, and he suffered the death of it. He brought it all to death. I want us to read some. I want to read in my notes here because do we realize that it was life himself who faced the cross? And in so doing, he conquered death, hell, Satan, the grave. He conquered the whole realm of the dead. The whole realm of the dead. The whole realm of the dead. And that that's that's the little diagram that I was that I had <laughs> whatever I whatever I did with it, I may have threw it away. But there's a whole realm and it's the Adamic realm. And it's 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 the the whole realm of death is is everything, everything that is not Christ Himself. So it's first order man, it's, it's that whole realm. He did away with a whole realm. Or He brought it all to its death where which it has no power now to hold them who will hear his voice and live. Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is that when the dead shall hear my voice, or the dead will hear my voice, those who hear it in belief is what that last word here means, in belief, shall live. Shall live. There's only one way to get out of that death. Just one way. And that is through the one who is our life. So I'm, so I'm saying again, hon, See, here at this cross, he doesn't, the whole thing, he doesn't forgive man and then 
just leave them dead. He doesn't forgive our trespasses and sins and then say, there you are. If he did, we'd, we would, it, would be like, it would be like Israel coming with their sacrifices year by year by year by year, and they're just rolled ahead. They're just rolled ahead. But they're not done away with. They're not done away with until this, until this one man comes and does it. And he doesn't come and just say, well, okay, you know, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. You know, hon, we don't go in, sit down in a little box somewhere and, and confess, and he sits there by us or across from us or somewhere and says, okay, I forgive you, go and sin no more. No, that's not what it is. I know what he said to the woman. I know, I know all of that too. But that was before the cross, and it wasn't and instead of the cross. He took everybody with him to the cross, huh? The whole point here is that we come from death. And so in one of my other diagrams, in one of my other diagrams, I don't know where it is now. I draw things to myself when I'm, when I'm studying but I did it this way. I did it this way, and you can't read that probably. Thinking about we are come from death unto pass from death unto life. The words not come pass from death unto life. Right here, me and Christ Himself. That's the whole deal. I am passed from me and I'm telling you the truth now darling because I'm you know I know how I talk and I know that I appear to be one this you know and all of that maybe without no emotions at all but every time I get a glimpse of the Lord I know it's the one who is in me it's just that I don't know all of him. And I want to know all of him. But that's an eternity thing. And to look at him. But every time I see him, I'm down on the floor. I'm down on the floor. And because of the realization, I have quoted Galatians I have quoted Galatians 2.20. Who knows? Who knows? But that hit me along with this little study that I'm on. And because it's such a familiar verse, no one ever really pays attention when you quote it because you've quoted it forever. But I realized this. I realized he did away with this. He brought this whole realm. He had to bring it to one complete final end. In other words, he had to bring it in to the death that God promised, that God judged. 
the whole Adamic creation. Had there not been an Adamic creation, you know there would have never been a law given. Why would there be a law given if there was no Adamic creation? Why? Not at all. So that's why the law ends as well. The law ends as well. And all of this other stuff that's there because of the Adamic creation comes to its end. It won't find any person in life. It won't find any person or any purpose in Christ. And that's the reason what we quoted a while ago. New creation in Christ. Old things are. And, and that's, that's this over here. I come to take away the first. It might establish the second. And when we're looking at the thing in these two terms, death and life, it's pretty simple to see here's the first and here's the second. And, and it's the same way. If we say Adam and Christ are the old and the new, are the, are the flesh and the spirit, it's the same thing. But more and more and more we to come to see that this is life, that there is life nowhere else. That when I quit breathing as a human body, life is not affected. And I don't want to quit breathing. I, I enjoy what I'm doing, and, and I really do. Sometimes I don't enjoy the way I have to do it, like uh, driving down Interstate 40 <laughs> or any other part of it. But what I'm doing and being here, I mean, and, and if I, because if I'm not doing it here, I'm doing it somewhere, I'm doing it at, at, at the research center. And so, no, no, I, I, yeah, I want to be in this body as long as I possibly can be because I, that, that's, that's the way we deal with one another and, and share with one another. But when I do, life is not touched. Life is not touched, hon, because life is not about me breathing. Life is about Christ living in me. Amen. Hallelujah. So that concerning the body, concerning the body, there are these bodies that we have, and there is that one body that we are. We are the body that He lives in. We have these bodies, in which we live. That is, not eternal life, but we breathe and we function. And Paul mentions that one time that I know of in the Scriptures when he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But then he quickly says, in the same sentence, so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Because these will 
in. But the treasure that is working in us, that's eternal. That's Christ. So, here's the verse, Galatians 2.20. And it hit me again the day that I was looking at this first Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. That's how he brings himself to the cross in Christ. I am crucified with Christ. And then he says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I looked up again that I was telling you there's those three definitions of the word life in the New Testament. One of them having to do with soul or self-life. The other having to do with just uh, all human functioning. It's just it's very rarely used but every now and then it is when it's talked about a lifetime or something that is just referring to natural living, or living in the natural. But then there is that, that life that means soul. And then there is that life that is zoe, and it means Christ himself, the I am life, the eternal, the eternal life. And I thought, well, okay, now I know that's what Galatians means, and that it, that it has to be that way, I'm crucified, yet not I, I said, but I, I wonder if that's translated that way. I wonder if that word, when he's talking about himself, is translated as soul life. And it is. And then Christ liveth, the word liveth there, is translated from the word zoe. And I thought, my Lord. I mean, what a wonderful thing. I don't know why I didn't expect it to be that way, but, I, you know, there it was. Paul is actually saying, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, now, nevertheless, I, I live. But then he says, but not as, not soul life. It is not me with a better soul life. It is, not, it is not my soul given a new opportunity. It is not my soul living as before the fall. See, that's what people want to look at. They, they want to think that. But before the fall, Adam was innocent still had no spiritual life. So Paul is saying there, I live, but it's not soul, self-life. Rather, it is Christ Himself. It is eternal life who now lives in me. And I want to see, I just want to write on here. I just, 
because the cross makes that absolute. On the cross makes death to the old creation, makes death absolute because Christ in his death made it absolute. And the cross makes life absolute by his resurrection. Only one raised up, one came forth, that one who lives in us. Life then is made absolute. And here's the glory of it. I'm going to quit with this. But here's the glory of it. Colossians chapter 3. I threw that at you last night, I think. Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Hold on to that, please. I won't take but just a few seconds here. Because I want to, here's the explanation for that. And it is in Ephesians, but hold that. In Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now the first four verses here first three verses he gives them their 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 condition uh, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And then he finally comes to this, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, Together Now, the word together here is with direct reference to, to, to his body. Verse 23 of, of, of the previous chapter, Ephesians 1.23, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Honey, and it goes right on. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see that? Right on. He's talking still about the body because the word together here means as one. As one. So what he's saying here is even when we were dead in sins hath quickened. And he uses the term us, not just me, not just you. Hath quickened us as one. One body. Together. I mean, the, the, the Greek word is, is there. It means, has quickened us as one body with Christ. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. See, he... See, in the natural, 
in the natural, right here, let's, let's just use it, in the natural, I am, in, in, you know, in my soul, in my brain, in my... It, I am. My, my body is one with me in that natural realm. But we're not talking about a natural realm here. We're not talking about bodies here. We're talking about, we're talking about, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Him that is all and in all of His body. One man having one body because He dwells in every member of it and every part of it, He dwells in it. And He's the one Spirit that makes it all one body. So here it is. Hath raised us, not only quickened us, quickened means given life to. Yes, that's new birth. With Christ, by grace you are saved. And not only that, hath at the same time, by the same Spirit, He hath raised us as one body, And made us set as one body together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Alright, now that's what Paul is talking about when he says over here in Colossians 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, then... Seek those things which are above in Christ. The word seek here, he goes on to say, uh, set your affection. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you are dead. For you are dead. As to this, see, why set your affection on a dead thing? Why set your affection on a whole realm that is dead and passing daily and, and, and set your affection on things above? Why? Because that's where you're seated in Him. In heavenly places. It's not up in the sky. It's things that are out from one realm. And a realm that is above, above all other realms. A realm that is spiritual. A realm that is eternal. A realm that is never going to pass away. A realm that is not only heavenly. A realm that is heaven itself. In Christ Jesus. Set your affection. Set your heart there. For you are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. How do I see it? How do I know? When Christ who is our life shall appear. Shall be revealed. That, that, that little word right there uh, means a thing revealed. It's like the cover taken off of what is there so that what is there may be seen to be there. And it's that Greek word that is used right here for appear. 
and uh, it's Apocalypto, to be revealed. Then, when Christ appears in you, where else should He appear? He appears in His house. He appears in His body. He appears as the glory of the Lord in the temple of God. Hallelujah. And when He appears, then, then you will appear with Him. Then you will understand that He is in me and I am in Him. Hallelujah. You will understand, darling, that we have come from death unto life. And that life is Christ Himself. Christ Himself. So, we were reading that in this in 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 this because this is just uh, I don't know several years ago I was doing a study on the the controversy of Zion and this is the result of part of it but this this is this is good on Zion and I fully intended to just sit down this morning and finish reading it because everything that I am saying uh, in my notes even I've related it back to Zion. Uh, uh, I got a, a little note from Jim Whitkins. You guys may not know Jim, but uh, Jim is uh, up uh, in uh, uh, yeah, uh, Virginia, <laughs> North, North Virginia. But Jim received the monthly lessons when they were just tape cassettes when he was still in Korea. And uh, at any rate, he, he, he always sends me a note. And he just said, I'm, also, I'm thankful for the truth. Brother Lumen, I'm also thankful that the truth as defined in him is increasing in the earth. I'm so grateful for Ezekiel 37, 26 through 28 and Revelations 21, 3 and they both say the same thing. What an honor to be, uh, to be a vessel and part of that loud voice from the throne. I really like the way Revelation 7.15 reads in the NASB. It reads, He who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Or in the original, it says, The one sitting on the throne will tabernacle over them means he will be our covering that we are that we are dead your life is hid with Christ in God it, it, he finds his tabernacle he tabernacles in us and and he spreads his tabernacle over us what's the only way you can really say that. You will know I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I'm in you. He's just showing a relationship of the Spirit of Christ with our soul. And because it is the Spirit of the Eternal Son who is in my soul, not soul life, this time, His life, that God he is my Father. See that? And that we are His household. 
It's not a natural thing we're talking about, hon. It's 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 it has the type and shadow of natural things. They're used the natural to show the spiritual. That's always done throughout the Bible. But our union with Christ is not natural. It's eternal. These bodies right here can even be used as the type of the Lord's body. But it's not the Lord's body. We are the Lord's body. And it's that inward reality of our soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see, I'm not looking for a building where the glory of God is. Honey, we are the building where the glory of God is. But the glory of God in the Bible is used in types and shadows and smoke and fire. No, that glory is, that glory is in us. That glory is in us. I had a lady to call me the other day from North Carolina. And she was just beside herself. She said, oh, Brother Lumen, I have seen the Lord. She said, my whole soul is filled with light. Now that lady was rejoicing. And then she went on for about another hour or so. And I just sat and rejoiced with her. Because to see him, she said, she said, I, I believe, you know, what, what, what I hear and, 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 and what we teach. But she said, to see him. And I said, well, yes, hon, because what we teach is seeing him, <laughs> you know. And but I said, it's not something that you can figure out academically and she said I know that now I know that now and I said we believe it in our hearts we believe it but the whole I said it's like if you just got you a book on salvation and on new birth and read it and said I believe it and put it up on the shelf going about your business I said you got to experience new birth the spirit of the Lord has to come into you and I said it's the same work of the same spirit to reveal himself in your soul. And a lot of people will hear me and they'll think I'm talking about some kind of vision of a person walking in the back door. And I'm not. I'm talking about the realization of truth. It is spirit. It is word. It is Christ. And the eyes of our understanding are opened. God hath shined in our heart. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. God hath shined in our heart. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hun, that's a realization given of God that makes your soul, <coughs> that fills your soul with joy and with rejoicing. But it's, it's the life that we have. That's what it is. It's the life that we have. And then Jim says, the profound significance of Hebrews 12, 22, which is what we've been looking at. But you are come to Mount Zion. It is a very loud voice in my heart right now. 
but we have, you have come. Uh, what a great salvation. What a great union. Jim is always sharing. And, but it is a tremendous thing, hon. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to stop right now. Uh, I've just got so many notes here and there because, you know, I still continue in this, but life, we have come to that life which is nothing less than Christ himself. And I'll continue with that theme tonight because uh, there's, there's two or three things here in these notes. I was looking at it earlier this morning that I really want us to look at right over here. And we will do that tonight. It has to do with this same life. But I want us to see this right here. I want us to consider this right here that I've written down here. And may the Lord just show himself to us. Hallelujah.